Hello, and welcome to Sarah Edge. My brother is going to, to be reading The Four-Fingered Man by Cerberus Jones. Chapter 1. Remember, we read the intro last time, so. It was Dad jerking on the handbrake that woke Amelia up. Her forehead bumped against the car window, and she suddenly realized three things. Her neck was stiff, her mouth her mouth tasted like plastic, and they were there. Great. She peeled long strands of red hair off her cheeks where she'd slept on them and undid her seatbelt. Dad was already out of the car, bouncing along the gravel driveway in the thin gray light of the extreme early morning. It was chilly, grim, and silent, but Dad flung his arms out in delight like he wanted to give the place a hug. Like he hadn't just driven all through the night to get here. Like he didn't have two kids in the back of the car who wished he'd just get back in and drive them straight home again. Come on, guys, Dad beams back at them. Isn't this fantastic? James unfolded himself from the car, his long legs getting tangled in all the chip bags, headphone cords, plastic bags, sweaters, and blankets in the back seat with him. Fantastic, James muttered. Fantastically old, fantastically ugly. Mom ignored him and got out of the front passenger seat, but Amelia thought he had a point. When their parents had told Amelia and James they were going to leave the city and move out to live in a big hotel by the sea in a little country town nobody had ever heard of before. It it had sounded fantastically mental, James grumbled on. But Dad was sure it would be a huge adventure. Just imagine, he'd, say, he'd said, Mom and I will both be working from home. We'll get to be with you guys all the time. No more after school programs, um, no more vacation day camp, and we'll have so much space. Acres of lawn and gardens and bush right next to the beach. In fact, here dad looked at Amelia and said those magic words that had convinced her it would all be worth it. Worth changing schools, leaving friends, and giving up gymnastics. Worth selling the apartment she'd lived where she'd lived ever since she was born, with neighbors she'd known her whole life. Amelia, there will be so much space, you'll be able to get a puppy. Once we're settled in, Mom had added quickly. Now that they were here, though, Amelia wasn't sure a puppy would be enough. Maybe not even eight puppies would be worth this. The hotel was a huge, old-fashioned white building with vine color covered pillars and a roof edged with iron lace all over the grand entrance. It was built on the end of a headland and it seemed to be floating in the sea. All around was the sound of the sea, waves explode. oh, and it seemed to be floating in the sky. All around was the sound of the sea, you waves exploding on the rocks far, far below. Tall cliffs fell away from on all sides, and maybe it could have been 
kind of lovely, but somehow the whole place felt wrong to Amelia. Obviously, she wasn't some silly, superstitious little kid who believed in ghosts or any of that nonsense, but if ever ghosts did exist, this was exactly the sort of place they would be. Amelia looked around her, trying to ignore the chill prickling over her skin. The hotel must have once been beautiful, but now it was a mass of peeling paint, cracked window panes, spiderwebs, and abandoned wasps' nests. The ground, the grounds were huge and badly overgrown. The garden beds were so were so shaggy they almost merged with the thick bushland beyond them. There's no, nothing except the long dri- driveway she was standing on to connect them with the rest of the world. In this case, the rest of the world meant a tiny beach town called Forgotten Bay. Well, Mom put her hand on her hips. You certainly got our work cut out for us. Right, said James, sarcastic as ever. Home, sweet home. How do we get in? Um, said Dad, I thought the caretaker was going to be here to meet us. The caretaker, said James. This place has a caretaker. He looks around at the missing floorboards in the wide verdana that circled the hotel. He looked at the possum poop lying all over the old swing seat and made a fake face of admiration. Wow, lucky us. Imagine what a dump this place would be without someone taking care of it. Amelia wished he'd shut up, but he was right. The hotel was a mess, nothing like the neat, friendly apartment they'd had to sell back in the city. Dad pulled out his phone and grinned as though he hadn't heard heard James at all. I'll call Tom now. Let him know we're here. James kicked at the gravel and Amelia watched him, biting her lip. It had been like this for a couple of months now. James being all rude and angry, um, and even more sarcastic than usual, and Dad just letting it glide past him without saying a word. Sometimes Amelia had caught Dad shooting a look at Mom, and once she'd heard Mom say, "That's not, that's enough, James," in a voice so quiet and cool that she knew Mom, Mom was furious. But apart from those clues, what had gone on at James's school? No one would tell her. She she had figured out that James wasn't expelled and wasn't in trouble with the police, and you would have thought that that was a good thing. You might have also thought that if James had just escaped trouble, he would have been a bit less keen to keep looking for it. But no, ever since whatever it was happened, James had been acting like he wanted to start a fight with the whole world. You okay, Cookie? Mom put a an arm around her. Amelia really wasn't. She felt empty and miserable, but there wasn't much point saying so. She just nodded and let mom wrap her up in a hug. No reception, dad said, shaking his phone and finally sounding less than a thousand percent excited. Ha! A voice barked out so suddenly and so close behind them that Amelia jumped. You won't get any reception around here. A man in an old tatty check shirt was limping across the 
grass towards them. A black patch covered one of his eyes and an ancient black cap with the words Forgotten Bay embroidered on the front was pulled low over his forehead. There's a natural cave system that runs under the whole headland here. He went on grinning at them all so widely. Amelia saw gold teeth glinting at the back. Don't really understand why, but something down there in the caves messes with the electronics. You'll have a hard time tuning a, a radio, much less a TV, and you can forget about using a phone. Brilliant, said James. No wonder it's called Forgotten Bay. Amelia almost felt sorry for her brother. He was taking a college-level class in electronic engineering at school, and whether he wasn't chatting on and whenever he wasn't chatting online to his friends or re rewriting the operating system on their computer, he was working on his engineering class project. With no electronics here, James would have nothing. Then Amelia realized it wasn't James she should feel sorry for. If he couldn't have his gadgets, computers, and constant super fast broadband, James wouldn't suffer alone. He'd make sure everyone else suffered along with him. Tom turned to Dad. Sorry I wasn't here when you arrived. I had some business that kept me. No worries. Dad bounced right back to cheerful again. We've only been here long enough to stretch our legs. He, he reached over to Tom and held out his hand in greeting. Scott Walker. As Tom gripped Dad's hand and shook it, Amelia saw something was wrong with the caretaker's fingers. The shake was quick, and Tom put his hand back in, in his pocket far, far too fast for Amelia to get a second look, but there was something. This is my wife, Skye, Dad went on, and the kids, James and Amelia. Tom nodded. Let's get you inside then. I think Na Lady Naomi is out already, so don't worry about making noise. Lady who? asked Amelia. She must be the standing reservation, Mom said. How long has, has she been staying here? A strange, distant look pa passed over Tom's face. Oh, er, quite a while now, he said, rifling through a tool belt that seemed to have more springs and wires in it than screwdrivers or pliers. He pulled out a huge bunch of keys, and Amelia tried to watch without obviously staring. But she keeps to herself most. Busy with her research project. Should have researched herself a better place to stay, said James, as Tom flicked through the keys one by one. Um, Tom mustn't have heard. Lady Anne will come and go, but she's no trouble at all. Not like some guests, eh? He cracked a strange grin at them. Ah, here it is. Tom held a huge brass key and limped up the steps to the double doors of the main entrance. He fumbled with the lock, then gave the door a rough shove with the palm of his right hand. Amelia blinked. The door swung open with a creak. After you, said Tom, and ushered the walkers into their new home. Amelia stepped past Tom to go into the hotel, flinching a little. Whatever it was about the hotel that creeped her out, Tom had it in bucketfuls. If possible, the inside of the place was even dustier, dirtier, and more disheveled than the outside. Old, darkened, oiled 
oil paintings hung on the walls in heavy gold frames. Two huge stone staircases rose up from the lobby floor, one curving around to the left wing of the hotel, the other to the right, and in the middle, a giant chandelier hung over them like a crystal death trap, waiting, just waiting for someone to loosen the pin that held it to his chain. It was amazing that anything so rich and elegant could look so spooky and foul at the same time. Thank goodness we've got Mary coming on Monday, said Mom. This is far more than the quick vacuuming coat of paint you promised, Scott. Dad scratched the back of his neck and smiled awkwardly. But Amelia wasn't listening. She she was remembering Tom's hand pushing open the front door. She had finally realized what was wrong with it. One of his fingers were missing. Um, that's all for now. This, this episode was produced and narrated by Gavin Snyder.